There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in again to this Thursday edition of the podcast. If you would, pray for the McVeigh family. We'll be starting revival this coming Sunday, and that's at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the evening on Sunday, and then Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock each evening, we'll be preaching at the Shippensburg Independent Baptist Church in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. That's on Queen Street. If you go to the Sheet Store, if you're coming north on 11, turn right and go about two blocks. The church is on the right-hand side. Uh, Very easy to find, and uh, we're looking to see what God is going to do. I met Brother Wagner some 16-plus years ago, and he's been a friend to me ever since. He and his wife and the church folks there, and we certainly thank the Lord for them. We thank the Lord for the privilege, the opportunity we have to preach again in Shippensburg, a town very near to us. Now, we live in Chambersburg. The next town north of us is Shippensburg, and what a blessing that is that we can be close to the house and also hold a meeting. And so we invite family and friends and neighbors, and we're looking to see what God will do. So please keep that in prayer if you would. And uh, then, of course, after that, we'll be heading up to the western New York to begin a meeting there. Psalm 101, a psalm of David. And so it's interesting. We go through all these psalms, and we come right back to where we left, I guess, about 30 chapters ago. And uh, we left in the psalm of David. And yet the Lord returns us in Psalm 101 back to where we started. And he says, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. What song is he singing? He's singing of the mercies of the Lord. And we see that throughout Scripture. We see that especially throughout the Psalms. We see the songs of mercy are continually sung. We see Psalms entirely devoted to the mercies of the Lord. And uh, what a blessing it is to know that we can sing of the mercies of the Lord, and we can sing of them forever. Uh, For the Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. That's the word of God. That's what the Scripture saith. For the Lord is good. Because his mercy endureth forever. And let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now the fear of the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And so we know the promise of God is emphasized that the mercy of God endures forever. His judgments are righteous. His judgments reach under the heavens and his judgments are pure judgments. His judgments are judgments in equity. Therefore, David is singing about those things. Men are unfair. Men are unjust. Men have no mercy. The natural man uh, only shows mercy to the select few that he chooses, but the Lord's mercies are new every day. And he gives them to his children. He even shows mercy to the sinner. He shows mercy to the godless. He shows mercy to the heathens. It rains on the just. It rains on the unjust. God is merciful. And David said, I'm going to sing of these things. 
And we are to sing of the things. We're to sing of the mercy of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then in verse 2, he says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Now, much is said about perfection today. We're to be perfect as the Lord is perfect. He will make us perfect. The Word of God told us that. And yet we see a day when men say that, well, that's sinless perfection. You cannot be perfect. And I made a comment one day in a church years ago. I said that I am a sinless perfectionist. And a man there took great offense to that. Actually kind of ran me down to other preachers because I was a sinless perfectionist. But I did say that. Therefore, I was guilty. But the other statement I made to go along with that, not only am I sinless perfectionist, I just haven't obtained that yet. But I need to. I need to strive for that. That ought to be my goal. The fact that I am not sinlessly perfect does not mean that I just give up and throw in the towel and quit trying to obtain perfection in Jesus Christ and quit trying to be perfect. No, it's that we are to strive for that, is to be perfect. What does that mean? It means that there is nothing lacking. There is nothing needed. There is nothing else. And so when David speaks of those things, and, and he says in verse 2 of this, When wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. How is he going to do that? Because he's behaved himself, according to the word of God, wisely in a perfect way. So he says there, his way is perfect. That means as he walks wisely, he's walking circumspectly, as wise, not as fools. And he's doing that. There's nothing he needs to add to his walk. Now, he said that by the Holy Ghost. There's nothing he needs to detract from his walk. His way of walking in wisdom is perfect before the Lord. And then he said, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. It means there's nothing else that he needs to do in his heart, in his house, because all the things of his house have been given fully to his heart to do them, and he's done it before the Lord. And therefore, you can't add to that. There are times when you will perfect things in your Christian life. That's not hard to understand. It's just people grasping at straws. Usually, I find it's just an excuse for people to be licentious. Uh, they want to live wickedly, or they don't want to get sin out of their life. They want to uh, change their conduct. They don't want to change their dress. They don't want to change their attitude. They don't want to change their manner of life. And therefore, they say, well, we can't be sinlessly perfect. And on the other hand, you have folks that claim sinless perfection that are far from living perfect, far from living right, far from even living holy. It's a charade. It's a lie. It's hypocrisy. But they claim they're sinlessly perfect. They say, God has eradicated the seed of sin in me. Yet you, you watch them lose their temper and you watch them uh, in secret have secret sin and hide themselves behind the shroud of religion. And so both sides, there is a ditch right in the middle is this walk with God where we have obtained a relationship with God, a walk with God that he said is perfect. And we can go to our house wisely and walk in perfection in our home. Why? Because we have satisfied at that time everything that God has wanted us to do, everything that God has required of us. The interesting thing about David is after David wrote this psalm, there's no doubt there was a time because later in his life, he did slip before God. He numbered the people of Israel. David knew it was a great sin, and he was no longer perfect before God. And that's just my take on this. And I believe that's the way we are. I believe there's times that our walk is what it needs to be. Our way is what it needs to be. And there's nothing that needs to change. But then our flesh creeps back in, and our vile affections creep back in, and our thoughts given to godlessness creep back in, and we're no longer perfect before him. 
And he said in verse three, then I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And that's usually why we slip out of a state where we could say that we're walking perfect before God. There's nothing else before him that we need. You come out of the prayer closet, you come out of a place of entire sanctification, and you come out of a place of studying the word of God, and you've been in prayer, and you feel spiritual, and you know you're spiritual, you are spiritual, you can make spiritual decisions, you can conquer the world spiritually, but you put some wicked thing before your eye, and it overthrows you, and it takes you in that fault, and Therefore, your eye is defiled, your mind is defiled, and you try to protect your heart, lest your heart take these things in, and it continue to plague you, and that's why we have besetting sin. And, and so, therefore, David told us, I was said no wicked thing before mine eyes. And you can't help but see wickedness today. You can't help but go into this world and see wickedness, but you don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to ponder it. You don't have to try to look closer. You don't have to try to look at the details. You don't have to try to find out exactly how wicked it is. No, you just protect your mind, guard your heart, keep your mind pure, keep your clean mind clean. He said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That's those that have turned aside from the perfect way, God's way. And their ways have turned aside. They have gone into another way besides God's way. And religion is filled with people like that. Churches are filled with people like that. Usually outwardly, it takes a couple of years from the time they turn aside in their heart till it's manifest outwardly. But most people have already turned aside in their heart. That is the great falling away. There are very few people in churches we go in today that know the way of God and are living in the way of God. There are many that are pretending to in hypocrisies, and they're pretending to do what God wants them to do, pretending to be what God wants them to be, but their heart is not for God. They have secret sin. They have a secret life. They've turned aside out of the way. It's going to be manifest someday. If they don't repent, it's going to be manifest that they're out of God's way. And David just said that he hates the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And then go ahead, friend. Go ahead and turn aside. Go ahead and turn your back on the King James Bible. Go ahead and turn your back on on sacred hymns. And go ahead and turn your back on sacred worship. And go ahead and turn your back on godly praise and the things of God, the work of God, the manifestation of God's power. Turn your back on those things. It's not going to cleave to me. You go ahead and follow that wrong way. You go ahead and get out of God's will. You go ahead and and go out there and live in that life that you think is a better life because you're carnal and you're trying to please your flesh. It's not going to cleave to me. I'll not turn back now. I'll not turn aside after another. I'm not going to follow another God. I'm not going to follow another method. I'm not going to follow another way. Now, there ought to be a message cried aloud from pulpits that it was 25, 30 years ago. It was 40 years ago, but that message is not cried aloud today. We say, well, every man has his own way. Every man has, and every man does have his own way, but God has one way. And God's way is right, and God's way is perfect, and walk in that way. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. And so again, David is saying a froward heart. What's that? It's that heart that's never done right. It's that person that never makes the right decision. It's that person that out of their heart, they can never do what God wants them to do. Every decision they make is tainted with sin. Every decision they make is tainted with foolishness and godlessness. That's that froward heart. It's deliberate. It's willful. They don't want to walk with God. And David, again, he turns aside from those. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord of hosts, and touch not the unclean thing. That's New Testament doctrine. I will not know a wicked person. And it's interesting that David says that because there is a fine line between befriending sinners and knowing a wicked person. 
But those that do wickedness, those that perform wickedly, you cannot be friends with. You cannot uh, give yourself to them today. Why? Because they're in wickedness. Now, those that have been wicked, those that have found some type of repentance over their wickedness, those that no longer live in that wickedness and are seeking something, seeking relief, possibly seeking God, you can be friends with. But while they're steeped in that sin and steeped in that wickedness, Oh, my friend, to avoid them, not because you're trying to damn them, not because you hate them, because it will cleave to you. And it's that old adage that goes back to it that, you know, righteousness is not contagious, but unrighteousness is. Purity is not contagious, but sin is contagious. And so it is. You want to be around healthy people, not sick people. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, and that privately slandereth there means, again, it's willful, it's deliberate, they know they're doing it, but it's all secret. It's all covered up. What is a slanderous to take that which is not true and depend it on somebody and to wrongfully accuse them deliberately knowing it's not true? And, of course, they're doing it secretly. And he said, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. I'm not going to let him do that to me, David said. By, and David was the king, by the way. You come to David with a proud heart, he cut you off, he's the king. He cast out, he's the king. You and I can't live like David lived in that sense. But we mark those folks. We mark them and avoid them. Why? Because they're, especially those that privily slander. Oh, you know how much better churches would be off if people would just take a stand against those that slander? If When people came to us and said, you know what so-and-so said, and we would just say, well, let's go to so-and-so and let's talk about that. And I believe most churches would probably empty out if we started doing that. But that's God's way. I believe most churches would be emptied of people, void of people. I believe people would find repentance because of the shame of their slander. Why? Because they just make things up. They hear things or they assume things. And, you know, I said for many, many years, if if I went into a restaurant where they served alcohol and somebody saw me come out of that restaurant, I hope my testimony would be strong enough that people would just know I was in there eating supper. But the reality is if a person that has aught with me or despises me or just decides they're going to sow some discord about me, they're going to privily slander me. Why? Because they are. it's available to them. Oh, I saw Tim McVeigh. He staggered out of the restaurant. You know, well, if you came to me with that person and said, hey, Brother McVeigh, this person, they saw you staggering out of the restaurant, I could explain to them that I got neuropathy in my left foot and I got a callus on my right foot and a wart on my right heel and my blood pressure was dropping and I was about sick with influenza, might have had COVID, and, you know, and I could explain those things and it would stop a lot of the slander, but we don't live that way today because nobody wants to be confronted about their slander. Nobody wants to be confronted about their lies. And he said, then will I cut off him that hath a high look and a proud heart? Will not I suffer? Why? God hates that proud look. God has always hated the proud look. God despises pride. He said, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. That's who we need to walk with. That's who we need to mark. That's who we need to fellowship. That's who we need to look unto. That they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. It's very interesting that to walk in that perfect way is to be a servant. To walk in that way of Jesus Christ is to serve Jesus Christ. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. God hates lying. God despises a liar. That's why liars want into the kingdom of God. He tells us that. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. 
one of the great fallacies of today is this idea that there is no absolute truth. And so when people are pinned down about truth, they use words to try to manipulate truth and words to try to uh, confuse people about the truth. But if the church is the pillar and ground of the truth, ought not everything in the church be truth? That includes your manner of life. That includes your way of living. That includes your stand before God. All that secret sin, how many marriages have been destroyed by secret sin? How many marriages have been destroyed by slander? How many marriages have been destroyed because one or the other would secretly slander and put down their spouse and lie to their spouse and have a double life and a secret life? What a vile thing. So David the psalmist tells us the cure for that in Psalm 101, a psalm of David. Tomorrow, Lord willing, we're going to get back into some more psalms concerning Jesus Christ. And this, of course, will be Jesus Christ on the cross. This will be the suffering of Jesus Christ in Psalm 102. Pray for us, and Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy god is waiting you have been listening to the daily doctrine podcast with evangelist tim mcveigh for correspondence please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us you may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for daily doctrine evangelist tim mcveigh on itunes Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption called night. There only was tried. Now the angels of God are rejoicing. For the prodigal child has come home. And the saints all with gladness are singing. The glory. Song of the Redeemer.